Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message titled, Lighting Up a Dark World. Let's join in now. Today we kick off a four-sermon series called Light Up the Darkness for the Christmas season, which will conclude on Christmas Eve. If you've been on a different planet and don't know what time Christmas Eve service is, it's 5 p.m., on Wednesday, December 24th, I would encourage you uh, to make plans to invite people for that. We'll talk about it later. You can use the invite card that was on your seat. This is going to be a great month here in God's Word and here at Elevation Church. And I, I'm super excited. As I look around uh, and think, think back just a few months ago when our congregation was working hard to get in this building, uh, I look and see the new faces uh, that the existing faces did the work for, and I'm excited about what God is doing at Elevation Church. And, uh, and so hopefully you have your Bible and you've taken it and you've turned to John chapter 1 right there at the very beginning of the book. We'll look at the first seven or eight verses today. Uh, lighting up the darkness is important. I think we're born... Loving the light. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, even just this week as I was shopping, uh, I was with my, my third son, Dax. Uh, if you didn't know, my wife, Amy, and I have four boys. That's right. And so we need a lot of light in our house. As a matter of fact, we have so much light in our house, I'm constantly turning off the lights every day. I feel like uh, the older I get, my job as a dad is simply to walk around and turn the lights off. Can I get an amen from anyone? Yeah. Uh, uh, and try to save the electric bill just a little bit. Uh, but he, he had a choice in the store this week between a scooter and a little tiny Ninja Turtles nightlight. And, you know, it really wasn't that impressive, to tell you the truth. I would have thought a scooter would have been uh, a bigger deal. And I said, Dax, I, I'm only going to get you one of these today, man. I'm, I'm not going to get both of them. Uh, told them no. Believe that, huh? Uh, and he said, Dad, I want the nightlight. Why? He goes, because sometimes I get scared and I need the light in my room. Uh, can any of you relate to that, needing the, the nightlight? Remember that? Well, as you get a little bit older, you learn the value of lights when you try to drive at night for the first time, right? You need the lights on in the car, and the, and the dashboard lights have to come on. And uh, have, have any of you experienced having to drive with your lights out? Uh, that, that's quite an adventure. Well, you realize the need for light, but then the older you get, you realize that light is not just a tangible thing. It's not this thing that allows your eyes to see, but you realize that there's a spiritual light in this world that needs to happen, and his name is Jesus. There's a lot of darkness in this world, isn't there? Uh, it, it gets out of the, the simple and into the complicated. I'll, I'll never forget the greatest picture of darkness that I've ever seen in my life was on a mission trip to Haiti as I drove through and watched a whole civilization that didn't know how to take care of their children. And they didn't even have but a meal a day. Man, I thought, that's darkness. Where's the light in this world? Where is the difference maker? What, what's going to come through and help save these people? Not just with their spiritual needs, but even with their physical needs. We know that in marriage, sometimes it can turn pretty dark with divorce. Sometimes we have physical pain that causes our mind to go to dark places. But I'm here to tell you today 
that there, this Christmas should remind us that we have a light that won't go away, a light who can heal, a light who can restore, a light who can bring you back to who God intended you to be so that you can be his light in this world. Isn't that an incredible thing that God may want to use you and that he may want to use me in spite of the dark places in our lives? That's an amazing thing. Here's what I, what I learned, though, about this spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness, as I began to see it, I realized that if I was to be like my Savior, Jesus Christ, and shine his light in this world, that I was going to have to make several changes in my life. In fact, I would have to live a life of constant change under the chisel of God. And so as we imitate our Savior today, I'd ask you to stand as we say our key scripture for this series. It is John chapter 1 and verse 4, and we'll stand and say it each week. It's very simple, but I encourage you to, to memorize it, much, much like we memorize 1 Thessalonians 5.18, right? That we give thanks in all circumstances for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. Here is John 1.4. Let's say it together. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now let's say it one more time. We'll say it even stronger when we say it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You may be seated. Let's turn to our scripture now, John chapter 1, and look at the light of this Christmas. You know, the point of this series is that you and I would become a difference maker, just like our God was a difference maker when he sent a little baby named Jesus into the manger. We, we can't ever overstate how much difference that one act has made in our life. Would you agree with me today that our God is a difference maker in this life? That he is the one who truly comes in and interrupts everything that's going wrong, everything that's not happening. Our God comes in and he's a difference maker and he's called us to be a difference maker just like him. Listen to John chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. In the beginning was the, who is this? The word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is Jesus, the eternal nature of our Savior. He wasn't just someone who appeared. This Christmas, you may get the objection that, well, Jesus was just a man. No, he was fully God and fully man. And he didn't just show up like some good prophet, but he had existed since before the world was made. Can your mind stretch that far this morning? Are you awake enough yet to think about that? Here's what verse 3 says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made at all. In other words, Jesus was involved in the creation of the world, and him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you're searching for real life today, if your life is struggling, if you know someone who's struggling, Jesus is the answer. And it's a, there's a reason why people can get all of the things this world has to offer and walk around empty. It's because the only true life is found in Jesus Christ. The only true light that can light you up and bring true joy is in Jesus Christ. And we see it here in our key scripture, John 1, 4. And the light shines in the darkness. And I love this line. 
The darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness could not contain it. The darkness could not stop it, could not comprehend. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of what what does scripture call Jesus? The light. That all through him might believe. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. Now, we need to know a few things about darkness before we can light it up. Darkness usually symbolizes an absence of three things. You can write these down. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes on the back of your program, you can write these down and follow along. There's the absence of work. There's the absence of belief. And there's the absence of standards. In fact, in Scripture, in almost every circumstance, darkness symbolizes the work of Satan and his demons. What does this tell us? It tells us that darkness truly is a spiritual element. As a matter of fact, it's one that the enemy uses to cloud our judgment, to cause us to fall into depression, to cause us to become uh, judgmental, to cause us to, to get in some sort of contest with people this Christmas to see who can have more uh, or, or, to get, or jealousy. Uh, darkness brings all these elements in, but there's always an absence of work. Has anybody ever tried to work in the dark? Uh, it's, it's pretty tough to do. As a matter of fact, I remember being in a cave one time where it was completely dark, no light. And I thought to myself, self, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And I'm pretty sure that I'll spend the rest of my life in this cave because I had no idea where to go in the darkness. Belief, it clouds belief. Do you see, uh, so many times the devil will use things in our life. He'll use pain, uh, just like what we talked about. He'll use pride. He'll use unforgiveness. He'll use sin in general to cloud our view of who God is and create darkness to where we begin to doubt God. Have you walked in with doubt today? Let this Christmas be the light that shines his truth. And then the absence of standards, because where there's darkness, no one else can see. And so we hide our sin, and we create our own standard of living instead of putting it up against the light of God's word. Here's what John chapter 3, verse 19 says about light and darkness. God's light came into the world, that's Jesus, But people loved the darkness more than the light. Can you imagine that? We would never walk around wanting it to be nighttime all the time. But spiritually, people loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. But here is what light does. Light represents the presence of the things that are absence in darkness. You've written them down, but write them down again. Light is the presence of work, belief, and standards. And here is the great truth about Christmas and why John called Jesus the light. It's because where there is light, there is the presence of God. How many of you want God's presence in your life this Christmas? Where you want to kick off this Christmas season knowing and experiencing God in a brand new and fresh way 
in a way that's real, in a way that where you're walking and you know he's right next to you, well, Christmas has the ability to do that. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news today? And so here in Scripture, we see a model from Jesus about how he was a difference maker, how he stepped into this world, all the sin, all the shame, all the hurt, all the pain. He stepped into it, and he made a difference, and it's the model of how he shined his light. And the whole point of this series is that by the end of it, we would want to make the same difference this Christmas that our Savior has made when he chose to become a little baby in a manger and was born of a virgin Yes, a virgin. Yes, it's all true. And he would walk the earth sinless and spotless to die on the cross and rise again uh, from the grave and ascend into heaven. And here's the great news. Just like he came the first time, he's going to come how many times? A second time. And that is fantastic news for us today so we can learn from Jesus how to become a difference maker. And here's the first part of the model. Jesus modeled it by shining light, by shining action into emptiness, by shining action into emptiness. Look back at verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning, and all things were made through him. I love what Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says. Look at this. It's in your program or on the screen. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And this is, this is it right here. Picture it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Do you see that even in creation, when there was darkness, can you imagine the earth without the sun? Even there, God is there hovering, about to do something, kind of like your grandma, Right? It's like whenever, have you ever had your grandma hover on your life, you know, where, where you're just, you know, you're kind of not doing anything, kind of like in college where my grandma gives me a call seeing that I'm a little aimless and says, hey, why don't you come live with me? Right? I went, mm, okay, why don't you come live with me and go to college? My grandma, what did she do? She made sure I ate breakfast every morning. She made sure I walked out of the house with clean clothes on. She made sure that I was trying to do my homework. You know what I'm saying? Here is God hovering over the earth in nothingness. And here he's about to strike. And what does he say there in Genesis? Those of you who know it, let there be what? Let there be light. God is into shining action into emptiness. He's into shining action, not just into creation, but into your emptiness. You see, when we shine action into our emptiness, when we decide to become difference makers and do something about the darkness we see in this world, it does something great. It reveals purpose in life. You can write that down. It reveals purpose in life. And you see, anytime someone decides to take action in life, it springs other people into action. What happened when Jesus became flesh? There in verse 6, it says there was a man sent from God whose name was, what was his name? John. His name was John. And you see, because Jesus acted, John had a job to do. And you see, there are too many people this Christmas letting darkness sit there 
and, and B, without shining the light of action. Do you know, I believe God's called our church to be a church of action. Do you believe that? A church that actually makes a difference. But here's what I know about churches that make differences. They're not just some blob of people walking around. Churches that make differences are full of people and individuals who desire to make a difference, but not just um, a do-gooder difference, but a spiritual difference in the lives of those around them. Do you see that uh, many times, I know I'm guilty of this, just this week, it's funny when you preach about things, how you're the most guilty. Um, many times, we're consumed only with our own emptiness, aren't we? we? We see the emptiness in our own hearts. We see the places where we hurt, and then what that does is it blinds us to the emptiness of those around us. But do you know there's no better way to fill your emptiness than to shine the light of action into the emptiness of others? There's no better way than to do that. But that's not what, how we're wired, and so we have to fight it. Why? Because just like uh, John 3 said, we love the darkness. We love our own darkness, and, and we want all the attention. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus took the step that was bigger than we can comprehend. Do you know, we have trouble taking a step into a, a, a low-income neighborhood in the south side, right? If you live out of the south side, you have trouble taking a step there. If you live in the south side, you would have trouble going into inner city St. Louis where they're rioting right now. If you're, if you're there, you would have trouble taking a step into Haiti where there's only a bowl of rice a day to eat. But we have a great purpose in life, and it's no matter where you are, no matter what, what place in life you are, God is calling you to impact the emptiness around you, to step, take the big step, to, to cross the barrier of socioeconomic life, to cross racial barrier, to cross barriers where you have to forgive people. He wants you to take that big step just like he did from heaven to earth. And to move across this Christmas and change someone's life with your action. Why? Because action always defeats difficulty with hope. Action always defeats difficulty with hope. And here's the great thing about action. Action always asks the question, where am I going? Anytime you start moving, you're now going somewhere. You can, you can honor God with your life. You can set the wheels of your life in motion with purpose and see the difficulty in your life begin to fade. The same way God filled the emptiness at creation. The same way he made a way for salvation through the birth of Christ. Those same ways when there was no way. Jesus wants to look into your emptiness, into my emptiness, into the emptiness of those around us. And he wants to fill our emptiness with his powerful, powerful hand. For those of us who are not empty today, the birth of Jesus reminds us that we are to be a people. People who belong to Jesus are to be a people of action, not doing what we wanna do, but doing what God needs us to do on this earth to be his hands and feet. But emptiness is hard. How many of you have ever had an empty gas tank? Right, have you ever experienced an empty gas tank? I will confess to three times in my life being part of an empty gas tank. And uh, yeah, and two of them were not my fault, okay? They were as a child. 
One was in the car, and thankfully I pulled right, I, I, I neutraled right into the gas station and was able to fill up no, no harm, no foul. Um, and I've already told you, if you've been hanging around, I've told you about one time where we ran out of gas in a boat, okay? There, there's no greater experience than running out of gas in a boat because there just aren't, you know, it's not a road that there's going to be a car. Someone may choose not to fish in your area for quite some time. And uh, when you're from Florida like I am and you get uh, out of gas in the water, it could be days before you're ever found because there's just nothing but big, the, the Atlantic Ocean, right? And uh, I remember at nighttime, in the dark, running out of gas. And I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, why is this the second time we've run out of gas in a boat? Did we not learn from the first time that we need to check these things? Because the first one was my fault, just so you know. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Dave, someone will find us. Well, can I tell you how annoying it was for us to have an empty tank of gas for us to be shooting flares everywhere. Some of you hunters might know this. When you're in distress or trouble, you need someone, there's, and there's people there, and you just can't quite get them to pay attention to you. You can't quite get them to step out of their comfort zone and do anything. And we saw boat after boat after boat. We even had a police boat stop and say, we're required by law to not do anything for you. And I went, what? Why are you even here? I don't even know. Well, finally... There was a boat that agreed to tow us in for three hours to the dock. They stepped into our empty situation, and they did something. But here's what I know. I know that I'm guilty of this. I know that you're guilty of this. Many times as Christians, we can be the first people who are guilty of passing by those who are struggling with emptiness and not being the difference maker God has called us to be. Let's do it. Here's the second part of the model of Jesus. He shined truth into falsehood. And each week, we'll look at this. Next week, we'll look more in depth at action. This, uh, two weeks from now, we'll look at truth. I got to tell you, I'm really excited to look at the truth that Jesus brought into the world at Christmas. It's incredible. I love this. Uh, in verse 7 of, of John chapter 1, when Jesus shined the truth into falsehood, it said that Jesus came and shined his light that all might believe. You see, the point of Jesus coming was belief that there would be truth, that there would be standard in this world. And, and, and when you shine truth into falsehood, all kinds of crazy things happen. How many of you have ever had a secret busted before? You know, where maybe you were going to give a Christmas present and, and someone found out what the truth was. It's like, whoa, there's nothing secret anymore. It's like my dad who told me at Christmas time his favorite thing to do uh, was for years to play with his Christmas presents in the attic uh, and then wrap them back uh, before his mom knew. Uh, in fact, he said his favorite one was his toy train, right? You see, when, when things are exposed, when light shines in, when the, when the wrapping comes off, truth is very important in this day and age. You know, there's a big search for truth. But here's what I know about God's light and truth. God shined his light three major times. Two of them have happened. One is going to happen in the future in Scripture. There are three major times he did this in Scripture. One was at creation when he said, let there be, what's that? Light. And then the birth of Jesus, the, the light of the world came to be among us. But the third time, I love this, in Revelation at the end of the book, after the great white throne of judgment, 
The Bible says that when we are with Christ, there will be no darkness. Can you think about that for a second? That when you're with Jesus Christ in eternity, for those of you who believe, there will be no darkness. You might ask, well, how do you sleep? I don't know. Maybe there's a heavenly blind or something. But there's no darkness. You see, it's because God is all about exposing sin, exposing falsehood. And in this world, it gets pretty messed up, doesn't it? You see, we want to let so many things guide our truth. We want to let our politics be the key driver of what we believe is true. We want to let pop culture be a driver of everything is true. Well, it looks like the masses are believing it. But here, Christmas reminds us that if we're going to shine light in the darkness, we need to become people who grab onto the truth of God's word and not man's opinion. You see, while action asks the question, where am I going, kind of helps you figure that out. Truth asks the question, am I grounded? Do I have the grounding to get where God asked me to go, to be the difference maker he's called me to be, like Jesus? Christmas was the most important time of all the times that that God will, will choose to shine his light. Why is this? Because when God became flesh, you ready for this? And I can't wait till we get there in two weeks. When God became flesh, our faith became different than every faith in the world. Why is that, you ask? Because his birth validated the creation story. The same pages that spoke of creation, you ready for this? 200 to 500 years before the birth of Christ, Proclaim that Jesus would come. And there was silence. Some people say, oh no, those things that said Jesus was coming, they were written while Jesus was alive. No, 200 to 500 years before, the writing stopped. Why did God have the silence? Because he knew that for us to know it was truth, that he would stop hundreds of years writing about his coming. He would stop for hundreds of years before so that when he came, there was no way it could be false. Isn't that incredible? That God would shine truth like that. And here's what it also does. The truth of Christmas, that Jesus truly is God. It shines to the future. And because he came the first time, it means he will come the second time. And if you're here today, that is where the hope of the Christian is. It's in the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is where the hope of the believer is. What does truth reveal? The light of truth reveals freedom and chaos. It provides a true north compass in a world that's littered with Facebook information, that's littered with articles on the internet trying to attack Christians, trying to attack and make fun of people who believe in the scripture. It reveals freedom from all those things and gives us a roadmap of what it means to honor God. We need to be people who shine truth, who defend truth. Why? Because when we shine the light of truth, it defeats selfishness with the action of belief. You see, where there's light, there's belief, and our selfishness goes away. Why? Because it's not about, well, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this whole Jesus thing is true or not. You might encounter that. But when we 
surrender to the truth, when we let God's light shine on us, what we've done is we've said, God, not my way, but yours. We grab onto Proverbs 16.25 that says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You see, Christmas brings out a lot of opinions. That's why we can't even celebrate Christmas anymore, hardly, in public, right? It's because belief has, has diminished in who God is. And people say, well, I get to pick who God is. No, God gets to pick who he is, doesn't he? God gets to pick who he is. And it's not about whether or not we can put a, a wooden baby Jesus nativity scene on a street corner, but it's about whether or not we will shine the truth. We will be the people who shine the truth of Jesus this Christmas into empty hearts so that they can believe and have salvation. That is why we're here. That's part of the difference that God wants us to make. Let me ask you a question. Where has your belief in God faded? Where has your belief in God faded? Where you've let doubt creep in? Where you've started to say, God, I, I just don't even know that you're here anymore. Because, well, I, I've, I've prayed and it feels like my prayers have hit the ceiling. My situation hasn't changed. I haven't become all I thought as I reflect on 2014. God, are, are you really even there? How come I've prayed and asked for healing and it hasn't come? Where has doubt creeped in? God, I thought that I would be able to pay my bills this month. Where are you, God? Where are you? Where's doubt crept in? Can, can I encourage you to shine the light of the truth of Jesus Christ this Christmas? To shine his light of truth that God really does exist, that his word really is true. And scripture says this for the Christian, he will never leave you or forsake you. Wow, what a great truth today. And here's the final way that Jesus modeled shining his light into darkness. We're going to work on how we model this the next few weeks, how we copy him. We shine purity into sin. Matthew 5, 8 says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I love, remember I told you that my favorite verse out of all this is verse 5, where it says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't comprehend the light. You see, Christmas is a big paradox. Because here when Jesus came, they were looking for a king, right? They were looking for a military leader. They were looking for God to come in and kick some serious butt. You know what I'm saying? That's what everyone was looking for. But here we saw the heart of God where he put not a military leader, not someone who's going to kick butt, but he's put someone who, a little baby who's pure, who's spotless, who couldn't even help himself at that point. You see, this Christmas... We're reminded that God shines purity into sin. He says, you know what world? You have a thousand requests of God to prove himself, to show himself, to help you, to help me. We have a thousand requests. And here God says, huh, you know what you can have? A pure, spotless little baby. And with that pure, spotless little baby 
came the ability to forgive the sin of the entire world. Isn't it great to be forgiven today? And it's all because God was willing to shine this purity into a dark world stained by sin, stained by selfishness. And so what is it, what does the light of purity reveal? The light of purity reveals the very nature of God. The very nature of God. This Christmas, we know who God is, that he is holy, that he is just, that he is righteous, that he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of showing up. He's worthy of learning his word. He is worthy of being a difference maker. Why? Because he's pure. There's nothing in him that's sour. There's nothing in him that's not good. Our God is good. He is amazing. And when we shine purity into sin, it defeats the darkness with a standard. With a standard. And now because there's a standard, while action asks the question, where am I going? And truth says, am I grounded enough to get where I'm supposed to go? Purity will ask the question, how far have I gone? Do you know that we're in a world without standards? You know what I'm saying? It's, I mean, it's like we even like to take the score away from games now, don't we? Where nobody's allowed to win or lose and, and everybody is okay as long as they think it's okay. But that's not what God says. God says, I am holy and here's the standard. I expect my children to be difference makers in this world the same way that I am the light of the world. This is what God says. You are to be the light of the world. We are supposed to rise up from the ash, rise up from our difficult circumstances. And Christmas reminds us to be the difference makers in God's kingdom. That's why we do Christmas offering. Why? Because our church needs to be a difference maker for the unborn baby, right? Our church needs to be a difference maker for the person who is out there right now who is not inside of a church building worshiping God so that they might come to know him. We need to be a difference maker for the person who's cold because Montana is cold, I've kind of figured out, right? We, we, you know, that we can give them a jacket. We need to be the kind of church that cares for people. Why? Because God is pure and holy, and he requires us to head that same way. And you may not be there yet. Well, congratulations. You're right there in front of me, probably in line. But we're supposed to head that way. Let me ask you a question. Where have you lacked God's standard in your life? Where have you dropped the bar low and said, God will just have to put up with me now? Where have you failed to shine purity like God shined purity at Christmas? God is asking you today to step into the light. God is asking and holding his people to a standard that when people encountered us, their darkness goes away. That's challenging, isn't it? When the standard rises, how many of you have ever encountered a big standard raise in your life where someone around you demanded more? Amy did this for me when I was dating. <clears throat> when I was in college, this was my attire. I had a neon green bathing suit. I had tube socks up to my knees, Birkenstock sandals. And typically, 
I wore one of my dad's um, plumbing supply shirts that were usually somewhere in the color of throw up, okay? And, and I met Amy, and occasionally when I wanted to get really dressed up, I'd put a tie on all that, and I really would too. I met Amy, and she said, I really like you. I must have had some kind of personality, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> some kind of personality because I wasn't much to look at with it. She said, I... I like you, and I want to date you, but I have to be honest with you. Um, this, that's what she does. You know, you know that hand wave, ladies? This is going to have to change. And I thought, well, how, how does it have to change? And she says, well, for one, let's just start with, we're not going to change the type of clothes yet. Let's just see if the colors will match. And let's move away from this whatever color T-shirt this is, throw-up color. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. Well, I thought I had made it because she hadn't said much and we were engaged. But then when we got married, she looked at me and said, you know the clothing thing? Uh, we're not done yet. <laughs> and the clothes came out of the closet. And next thing you know, there were jeans in it. <gasps> Gasp, right? There were shirts that had buttons on the front. And the standard was raising. Until finally one day, she said, Dave, we're going to give some clothes to the Salvation Army. And I thought, oh, no, this is the day where my, my favorite shirt goes, isn't it? And she said, yeah, yeah, it is. And in came an array where of my entire closet where it changed, an array of blue clothing, where literally there wasn't a single piece of clothing I could put on that wouldn't match with another piece of clothing. Why? Because the standard was raising. And this Christmas, what Jesus did was he stepped in to raise the standard that God is not far off, that he can be known, he can be followed, and guess what? He can be lived for. That's what Christmas reminds us of, that Jesus stepped in to make a difference so that we would have a new standard to live by, so that we could be a people of action, so that we could be a people who cling to truth, and so we could be a people that pursue purity. This is why God came. Let me ask you this question today, and be honest with yourself. Are you a difference maker in this life? I'm not talking about in your opinion. If you had to go up and ask God, you had to walk up to the throne room and ask him, God, Am I a difference maker? Do I, am I really doing what you asked me to do? When people encounter me, are they really seeing the light of who you are? Are they really doing that? During this response time, I want you to wrestle with that question. As a matter of fact, as we come to response, I want to encourage you to take out this connection card. In fact, everybody take it out right now. This is a place where we do business with God. Today, maybe you've come to a place where you realized that there is truth in Jesus Christ through a manger. And today you want to place your faith in him. The Bible says if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive the sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In other words, if we trust in his work on the cross for our salvation, the Bible says you will be saved. Isn't it a great thing to be saved? to have a new standard in this life. Maybe God's convicting your heart right now and, and your emptiness is great. Maybe today you need to write a prayer request and say, God, would, 
I need your action in my life. Would you shine your light into my emptiness so that, so that I can move forward and see you more clearly? Maybe you've struggled with doubt where you're doubting God. And in this response time today, you can say, God, this Christmas, I'm going to recalibrate. I'm going to refocus on who you are and believe that you really are there and you reward those who earnestly seek you. But this Christmas, here's a challenge that all of us can take. Maybe we need to revisit purity. Knowing that pure, precious baby Jesus was able to defeat all the sin. And maybe you've been working so hard this year to try to please God and you feel a little empty inside. Let God's action of purity invade your heart and life and say, God, I'm sorry for setting my own standards of living, my own standards of, of what it means to talk, my own standards of treating people, my own standards of, of uh, where I will and won't go for you, my own standards uh, of who I envision I will be in this life. God, I lay those aside, and today, God, I submit to your standard because you are the word and you were with God, and you were God in the beginning. And all things were made through you. We're going to take some time to do business with God. I invite you to stand right now as we pray. When I finish praying, feel free to fill out the card or lift your voice and worship in response to who God is. Heavenly Father, I thank you that when my heart was dark, at six years old, you stepped in and you lit it up. God, you lit it up in a way that can, it can never be taken away. God, I thank you for the salvation that you brought to mankind when you stepped from heaven to earth. Father, would you allow us to be people who will step into the darkness like you did that day about 2,000 years ago? God, people who will defend truth. God, people who won't just sit and soak and sour in religion, but will take action for the orphan and the widow and the, the helpless. God, I pray and ask that you would help us take action of purity. Father, that we would put aside the sin that entangles us and that we would look straight into your eye knowing how beautiful you are. God, as we have this response time, we ask that your presence would be here, that your spirit would reign, and that you would receive our worship. In Jesus' name. Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.